This is the show for grown-ups. And they say bad words. And they say bad words. Say final warning. Final warning. Hello and welcome to the Pod of Blunders. My name is Nate Magnuski, and with me today is Riley Passmore of Black Marble Games. Riley, how the hell are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. It's it's raining a little bit outside. I'm in Florida, so it's uh it's kind of it's kind of relaxing. There you go. So first and foremost, what got you into role playing games as a hobby? Oh man, I mean. I, pro- I feel like I've been playing them my whole life. Uh, I guess I, I really started with D&D in middle school. So mm-hmm. for me, that was in 2000, I think is when I got started. And that that was really when, after third edition kind of became the, the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, this was definitely before 3.5. And I've never really looked back. Nice. And what what made you switch from player and DM maybe to designer? Like what caused that push? Oh wow! Well, I've always been very interested in writing. Mm-hmm. I I went to uh, college for writing, creative writing, and I I actually earned my master's in creative writing in 2015. And I I think it's kind of a, a chicken or the egg question. Like what came first, D and D or writing? And I'm not really sure which one came first. I, I think I've always enjoyed being DM. I know a lot of people online complain about being forever DM, but I think I really prefer to be DM. I like to world build and create locations and play all kinds of different characters. And that's really what I'm what I'm about. So definitely a writer. You were a designer from, for homebrew things. Is that where the game that you wrote well, the setting you wrote Range came from, was it a homebrew thing you just worked on over time? I think that's definitely where it started. So I think, let's see, I guess I started really writing it back in early 2019. And it was just me and a gaming group with some of my friends. And I, I, had, I had been going through some of the worst writer's block of my life. And I was stuck on a novel project I was working on and I thought, you know what? Let's just write something fun, no stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Or low stakes, I guess. And I started working on Renge. And even after, even after that, that group just kind of disbanded, as D&D groups do, I kept working on it. And I just didn't stop. And then I thought, hey, this is a book. Like, I should, I should try to do something with this and see what happens. And it's a hell of a book, too. Tell me about the setting of Renge. Well, let's see. With Re- so Renge is a setting that that takes place after I say online a lot. It's a an, after an apocalyptic war between nature and civilization, hmm. and I I really wanted to play with that dichotomy, nature and civilization, and. I don't think I've ever seen an official D&D setting that really addresses that 
issue in any kind of way. It's not, it's, it's not really about magic. It's not really about dragons necessarily, like a lot of fantasy settings are. Instead, it's, it's a place where a lot of traditional D&D tropes are kind of turned on their head. There's no kings and queens. There's no giant cities. There's no standing armies. There's not like wizard towers and things like that. It's, it's about, wow, this world has been devastated by this war between the gods of nature and the gods of civilization. And so the, the people that are still around live in the ruins of this apocalypse, basically. And I, I wanted to see what that would look like. How, how would that affect the D&D classes? How would that affect the D&D ancestries? Like, what, what would that world look like? And I think that's really where Wrench started, idea-wise. My favorite thing about it is that, although it's a post-apocalyptic setting, there's not that like, like grim, hard scrabbleness about it. There's a certain hope to it as well, because they are exploring, they are pushing out, and they are rebuilding, right? You see that's fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So um, I guess it's a, a great way to talk about the two pantheons because mm -hmm. these, these two pantheons really are, I think, the soul of the setting. So there's the Coven of Nine, which are these nature gods, and they're more like spirits, like maybe in the animist tradition. And then there's the Constellation, which is these gods of the stars, and they're more like Greek gods. And the head of the Constellation is the matron, and she's the goddess of spirit, of will, and determination. And so I, I wanted to make humans center stage. I really wanted Range to be a human-centric setting. And it's about, hey, you know, the only way we're going to survive is if we work together. It's about spirit, right? Like, we're... We're unbreakable, that kind of thing. Like I, I wanted that that hope to be there in the in the game. So it's it can definitely there's definitely some room. Like if you wanted to play like a grittier kind of range campaign, I think you definitely could. But I think it's primarily about surviving against these impossible odds or these impossible circumstances. So my biggest complaint with traditional five E is that it says there's three pillars of the game. There's a social pillar, mm -hmm. there's an exploration pillar, there's a combat pillar. In most games, the exploration pillar really takes a back seat to a lot of that. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, Even in the DM's book, there's like little hand wavy rules about how to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. But I understand with Range, you took a little deeper dive into the exploration rules and the encumbrance rules. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So um, I created two new mechanics for, for dealing with encumbrance and travel. And this is something that I, I really wanted to explore because, you know, your barbarian can have a 20 strength all he wants, but he's not going to be able to fight realistically if he has, you know, a 50 pound wooden chest full of gold on his back. Right. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to make that more realistic. And I wanted players to have to make choices about what they carry. And 
how how much they're willing to carry, right? So we have two new systems. We have the burden system, which is a new encumbrance system. And we have the journey system, which is a new travel system. Hmm. So in the burden system, I, we got, I, I got rid of all of the, the weights, like the pound weights of, of items. And instead there's four new designations. There's um, negligible burden, one burden, two burden, three burden, and then massive, which is just, it's anything large enough that you need someone's help to move it realistically. Hmm. So, you know, most weapons are one burden. Most suits of armor are two burden and your burden threshold or your burden limit, I guess, which in this case would be your carrying capacity is equal to your strength score. So if you have an 18 strength, that means you can carry 18 burden. And this streamlines so much um, because in, in rule in the rules as written, nobody ever uses the encumbrance rules because they're such a pain to keep track of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, well, let's just, let's just designate burden for, for each kind of item. And then, you know, I gave examples in the book. So, DMs can make their own choices about, about, you know, how much burden a particular item is, but, um, and then all of the adventure packs are, are three burden. So, I mean, you can carry quite a bit, even if you only have like a 10 strength or a 12 strength or something like that. But I definitely wanted, wanted encumbrance to be part of the, part of the game, right? Like you really have to think about okay, hey, yeah, we just found this mountain of gold, but gold is one of the densest metals on earth. How on earth are we going to move all of this stuff? So that's the burden system in a nutshell. The journey system, I really wanted overland travel to be taxing on players. Um, And how I did that is instead of just hand-waving overland travel, we have this system where you are heading towards landmarks. And when you set out from town, you roll a journey check. And after applying modifiers, you can have a couple of different effects. So if you succeed, that means, hey, we're, we're going in the right direction. We're, we're going to our ultimate destination, whatever that is, usually the dungeon, right? Right. And so you'll, you'll run into these landmarks in the meantime and landmarks can be a giant statue or um, a mysterious fountain or some kind of relic from this you know the the old ages of Renge and you know I have I think in the Renge book I included 20 and they're just places for DMs to have little side treks or little interesting things that can happen to players. And, you know, so if, when you're planning as a DM, you can say, okay, well, there's three landmarks on the way to this final destination that they're heading to. And so players can, based on their role, determine how that journey goes. If they fail their journey check, maybe they'll get lost. Maybe they'll lose some vital equipment like rations and so on. 
whenever I hear that a designer is adding rules to a game, I always get nervous that you're adding burden to the players, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. But your addition seems so elegant and so logical that really it, it, re it reduces the total amount of, of brain labor that players have to do to be able to enjoy those aspects of the game. Yeah, I, I really, I, I knew that it needed to be simple. And I, th I think especially with something like a tabletop RPG, that's, that's really the two directions you're being pulled in as a creator. On one hand, you want a lot of depth, but on the other hand, you don't want it to be so complicated that no one uses the system. Right. And so how do you find this happy medium between these two extremes? And I, I know when I was working on the burden system and the journey system as well, which uh, Ringe's illustrator, Vanya Mergen, helped me with quite a bit. He, he did um, help me with design quite a lot. And that was something that we really wanted. We knew that it needed to be interesting, but we didn't want to make this whole new complicated system. So we wanted to make it easy for players to, to, to do. We wanted it to serve the narrative. We wanted overland travel to be meaningful and fun, but we also didn't want to burden DMs with all of this extra planning work that they would have to do. So those were really the design goals. And I, 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 think, I think we met that. Yeah. What's your favorite landmark you came up with? That's choose, so tough. Choose your favorite baby. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Pick your favorite child. Um, that's really tough. I do have one, the, the Henge of Memories. So in, in the landmarks, there's a couple different landmarks you can run into. The standard landmark is a mystery, which just means this, it's just this monument from some ancient time, right? There's not, it's not really anything that you can, like, it's not a building necessarily. It's just this like interesting things players can interact with and have maybe some kind of supernatural experience with. And I wanted range to be mysterious. So mysteries are the bulk of the landmarks, but there's also um, shelters, which is, Hey, you find a cabin and you can spend time in the cabin to like recoup, you know, and rest. And there's catastrophes, which is when you fail your, uh, your journey check, right? If you, if you roll a natural one, you have a catastrophe happen, which is something very bad happens on your journey. But if you roll a 20, you encounter a boon. And the hinge of memories is this kind of like Stonehenge-like monument where players encounter this spirit of memories, this the listener. And in the middle of this stone monument, this circle of stones are two boulders that have been carved to look like chairs. And the spirit sits in one chair and the player sits in another chair. And the spirit says, tell me a story about your character. And so the character, the player has to tell them a memory of their, of their character, right? Like provide, provide backstory and role play this, this experience. And if, if the listener is satisfied, 
these ghostly hands hammer the story. They chisel the story into the stones and they gain some kind of bonus. And I have a few different bonuses listed in the landmark, but it just depends on your character. Like I think some of them increase your attack power and some of them increase your spell components or something like that. But um, yeah, I think that one, I, I really wanted to just have this like weird fiction kind of element, like ghostly eerie kind of, kind of feel to range. And I, I think the hinge of memories really encapsulates that. Well, it's excellent, especially for a setting that deals with lost knowledge. Oh yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm stealing that. That's why now. <laughs> oh, it's so, yeah, that one, that one I think is my favorite. It's yeah. awesome. So in addition to adding rules, you also added some character races as well, right? Some playable folk. Yes. I added two, the Cloven and the Riven. And if you follow me on Twitter at all, you have definitely seen pictures of these. Vanya did just this absolutely amazing job with the art for these, for these two characters. Mm. The Cloven are deer people and they're mysterious and they have this culture of preserving nature, right? Mm. Their, their goal is to preserve beautiful places, beautiful natural landscapes as much as possible, right? And this plays into that dynamic civilization versus nature, nature versus civilization, right? And so the cloven are, are really cool. I'm, I'm so proud of how they turned out. They wield weapons made of green steel, which is a plant-based metal that they use to forge all of their weapons. Mm. And I have the green steel like right up in, in the range book. So you can actually create your own green steel weapons and they have their own language um, called dough. They can throw their voice as well. That's one of their, their like racial abilities. Hmm. And they are excellent craftspeople. They like to tie knots. So they have, they can make nets, they can, they weave all of their armor. They're, I believe, I don't know if I actually use the word vegan in 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 the Renge book, but I imagine them as vegan. They don't wear leather. They don't use animal products. Um, and I, I really, really wanted to create something new with with the cloven. It's a more mm -hmm. flavorful version of the furbolg. Like, you know, like the furbolgs are always the natural protectors, but these seem like a better version of that. Oh, well, thank you. That's where to that's, pull from. That is high praise. That's really <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. Well earned. It's amazing. I want to play this now. Yeah, Cloven, Cloven are really neat. I, mm. I'm so proud of how they turned out. And the second is the Riven. And the Riven were a huge challenge design-wise, but mm. I think they turned out really well. They are living statue people. And they were ordinary statues at one time. And in the last 30 years or so in Renge, these ancient marble statues left over from before the war between nature and civilization are, are coming to life. And they're looking for purpose in the world. 
Hmm. No one really knows why they've awoken. Nobody can figure out who's behind their awakening, whether it's, a, you know, a, a symbol of the divine. Maybe this is like a, a good omen. And some people say, no, this is very bad. Like this, this could be signaling a new war, hmm. right? And sometimes they're overgrown with plant material. And so if you look at the Renge art for the ribbon, you'll notice that like one of the statues is missing an arm and it's been replaced with vines and things like that. So once again, we have this, this dynamic of nature and civilization with the ribbon. So they're, they're split between these two worlds. Mm. And that's what ribbon means, like to be divided or just to split. And yeah, they, they were tough though, because um, I really didn't want them to feel like Warforged. I wanted right. to feel a lot different than Warforged. And that was, that was hard. We went, we went through several iterations of them before we landed on the, the last one. Do they have memories of before the, the collapse? They do not. They do not. So they, they really don't know. They really don't know why they're here. Um, I offer some suggestions in the book, like maybe, you know, as DMs or as a player, if you want to take them in certain directions, but they don't really remember anything. It's a total mystery. One cool thing about this though, is that if you, if you want to play a Riven, Riven don't really have a culture yet mm. because there's so few of them. So a lot of Riven choose their own name. They choose their own identity. They, you know, kind of create themselves um, how they wish. So they, they don't really have a childhood either. Right. There's, there's a lot of ways you can play a Riven. So much flavor. It's like, <laughs> it's amazing. These two were, yes, these are excellent inclusions you've done. Fantastic stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so I know that you included a, a full adventure as well, right? And this is an introductory adventure in case people don't have a spot to, to jump into the setting right away. Yes. Yeah, we included a, a sample adventure. It's for mm -hmm. low level characters, I think second or third level. But I really wanted it to highlight all of all of these new things that Renge has to offer. So the Riven are present in this story. Um, a lot of the new monsters that come in the Renge book are in this story. It uses the journey system as well. Mm. And there's a lot of area for, you know, there's a lot of moments where you can include the lore of Renge too. And so I really wanted to highlight as much of that as possible for, for new players. So without spoiling anything, can you give me like the very bare bones plot summary? Sure. So it takes place in a city called Whitebriar. Mm. And Whitebriar was a, a marble age city. So there's um, one of the ages of Renge is the age of marble. And so Renge is kind of Greco-Roman inspired in some ways. Mm. So it's not, it's not purely European medieval fantasy. And this is, picture Pompeii. 
So Pompeii was destroyed. Well, then after the war, people moved back into Whitebriar and they're living in this ancient ruin, essentially. And they're trying to like rebuild civilization. Hmm. And um, one night, two weeks ago, the people of Whitebriar start having these, these strange dreams of this white statue, like crying tears of blood. And the, the leader of Whitebriar, the torchbearer, as he's named, Chorus Hirsch, hires players to say, hey, like we, winter is coming and we need to figure out why this is a pro like what's going on is this some kind of omen is this some kind of you know is someone in trouble like we need to figure out how to stop these nightmares and so that's that's the kernel that's fantastic <laughs> i've said it a lot you. thank you so all, much it all it's applicable to everything i've said so <laughs> all right here's another doozy of a question for you that's going to be tough okay if you can pick one thing that you've created for range that best exemplifies the setting, what is it? Oh, that exemplifies the setting? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Hmm. Probably, okay. So there was the, um, the ancient civilization that worshiped the gods of, of, of marble or the gods of the stars mm -hmm. um, was called the children of marble. That was their, their name. That's what the people of Ringe call them now. Their actual name is, is long lost. But the children of marble produced these machines, these marble machines called Mechanica. And when you investigate Ringe, when you adventure in Ringe, that's what you find. That's what the ancient ruins are. They're ancient ruins created by this like cosmopolitan power called the children of marble. And they also have um, their language is called the marble tongue. And if you have read Wrench, you know that there, I include the, the writing system for this language in there, as well as some vocabulary as well. And that's really how magic works in Wrench, they used their their magical language to create to create these machines, and so I think the Children of Marble is definitely like the biggest part of Wrench. I think that's really the heart. Is you've got all these people now in the current age, just kind of sifting through the rubble. Like, what is there any technology left that we can use? Is there is there any kind of knowledge in their scrolls that we can find, that kind of thing? Um, I study language um, as a hobby. Uh, I've always been into linguistics. And so I really wanted language to be like a core component of range. And the language, I guess, is kind of like Latin to, to us, sure. right? Like nobody speaks Latin anymore, but if you, you know, want to study science or medicine, usually, you know, you have to take Latin at some point. And so that's really kind of what I imagine the language to be. Great. So when are we getting the novelization of Ringe? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, 
things. Oh man, I think about it all the time. <laughs> I bet. Uh, I I would I would love to do that, but I'm I'm actually in the middle of, of writing an expansion for Wrench. I saw that. Yeah, that's awesome. That is that is Wrench Wrench's next great adventure. I guess we'll call it. <laughs> And it's going to be a write-up of Whitebriar, the city. And so it'll have new monsters. It'll have a sample adventure. It'll have, let's see, um, new landmarks. It'll have kind of like landmarks outside the city that players can find. And a lot of NPCs, adventure hooks, that kind of thing. So... A lot of it was material that we wanted to put in the book originally, but we really just wanted to get the book out. Like, hey, let's let's get let's just get the book published, and then we can we can add like additional modules, you know, to our our page on on Drive Through RPG. So Black Marble Games is working on White Briar right now. Oh wow! All right. And then we'll we'll work on the art and the maps and everything. Um, but then we really, I think we're going to scale back and just release like some smaller projects, like some smaller range supplements. I would love to do just an ancestries book. I would love to do just a magic items book, or you know, I mean, I, I would want to start like releasing supplements more quickly than taking like a year at a time to release release things i can understand that yeah i want to be sensitive to your time is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you just really would like our listeners to know before i let you go for the evening oh one okay here's one more thing Mm. so in wrench there's a a couple of other big differences from standard dnd settings there's a completely new weapon and armor list Mm. so range is really inspired by the ancient world and so there's no long swords in range there's no short swords or anything like that instead we have weapons like falxes and um hewers and things like this right I, i wanted the the weapons to feel scavenged and so some weapons are like you know, gardening tools, for example, like we have the, the, um, the hewer, which is just like an ax on the end of like a really long pole, uh, kind of like a halberd. Mm. Um, there's also the thresher, which is like a two handed flail with a spiked end kind of thing. And so I really wanted the weapons to feel scavenged and they're, they're like tools more than, than weapons. And the same thing goes for armor. A lot of a lot of the armor is just like scrap metal riveted to coats and things like that. Hmm. You're not going to find beautifully made elven plate mail in range like that. That's gone. That's not there anymore. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all hand me down old stuff. And let's see. The last thing I would say is there's a, a supernatural plague in range called the lust mm-hmm. and the lust is a a bloodborne disease created by the blood which is the head of the the coven pantheon 
And the blood is the spirit of life itself. Hmm. And the blood created this, this disease called the lust, which mutates infected people into these like horrific zombie monsters. And in the monster manual for Renge, we have blood beasts. So if a, if a bear, for example, gets infected with the lust, it turns into a blood mauler. And it's this like gargantuan monstrosity that's just unkillable, right? And the lust plays a really big part in a lot of Renge adventures. So two other things I wanted to talk about before we, <laughs> before we go out. Yeah, I can see why. I, I'm just blown away by the amount of creativity and thought and, and effort put into this. And really it's, it's you know, Black Marvel games, but it's it's really just you and Vanya, correct? Yeah, it's just us. I, it's just amazing us. that you're coming out with all this stuff, and it's just like you're just a fountain <laughs> of this amazing creative thought. I mean, like, just thank you so much. Like, it's really awesome to hear that. I mean, it's really awesome to hear that. You know, I I just I just wanted to make a cool setting. I just wanted to make a cool place to have adventures in. I, I wanted to do something different, and. It's it's really awesome to hear that from from somebody. That's really hey, nice. You did it, and I'm you know I'm not blowing smoke. <laughs> this is this is some of the coolest thing I've heard about in a while. Thank you. So, hey, I, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I, I mean this is this is great. I would love like if you want to have me on again, just let me know. Hell yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no question about that at all. Standing invitation. Whenever we have a second to come, have you come back on? We will do that. Very cool. <laughs> all right. Hey, take care. Have a good night. All right, you too. Hey, folks, it's Nate. I know I say this a lot, but I'm a huge, huge fan of Range. I honestly cannot wait for White Briar to come out. It should be out later this month, January 2022. It might be out in February, uh, but it's coming out soon, and I am, like, ready for it. I am a huge fan of Range. I'm a huge fan of Riley's. I've got the core book. I bought it right away, and uh, I'm, I'm just so jazzed that you guys know about it now, too. I hope you go out to Drive Through RPG to buy it right away. Um, it's so good. The the travel mechanics for it, the encumbrance mechanics for it, and just the lore and setting. It's uh, I'm gonna get like effusive with my praise soon, and maybe too effusive, maybe just a bit too much. But go to DriveThroughRPG.com, <laughs> go to BlackMarbleGames.com as well. Pick up the stuff. Follow Riley on uh, Twitter at GamesMarble, all one word, and support an amazing indie creator because then they'll get to keep making amazing indie games and that's all we really want out of life right if you want to support us at potablunders.com uh, go there check out our stuff read our reviews go to patreon.com slash potablunders follow us for a dollar five or ten you get all sorts of good stuff We're talking free games episodes of our patreon exclusive podcast jumping the street sharks uh, you can't go wrong and it helps us it really does and if you can't do that i totally get it if you don't mind, go on to Apple or your podcatcher of choice. Rate us for five stars. Give us a little review. If you write something out that's, you know, making me feel good, I'll read it on the air. Uh, if you want to even pitch your own stuff, go ahead. I'm happy to cross-promote anytime because I love this community. I love being a part of it, and I want to give back as much as I'm getting out of it. So, anyway, enough sappy stuff. I love you very much. For the Pot of Blunders, I've been Nate Magnuski, and as always, may all your Ds be 12s.